You know, I, I didn't know that Regine singing Elvis was what I needed this morning, but it's what I needed this morning. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenicast. I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. This is Regine. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives of theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, we are this is our Christmas episode, annual Christmas episode. We've had fun Christmas episodes in the past being a Gen Xer, a child of the 80s. Christmas specials were all the rage, and I have forced and domineered this particular group of people to always have a Christmas episode every year, and we will not continue that until I've been overthrown for my... (laughs) I guess those aren't good words right now (laughs) with where we are in our political system, but... Jeff, if you need a Grinch, I'll be one. (laughs) It is our Christmas episode, and we are going to just answer the simple question of what does Christmas mean to you? Not in general, but this year, because this year is different from many other years, and I'm sure that a lot of that stuff has changed and contextualized, and we're going to be talking about that. So we're going to get into Christmas theologies, we're going to get into the incarnation, we're going to get into presents, we're going to get into whatever the hell we want. Uh, and uh, we also have some news about the future of the podcast. So we're going to have a little state of the podcast address, and then we're going to close out providing everyone with some holiday cheer with a our playlist segment and we're each going to be coming up with uh, three songs, our favorite Christmas songs or Christmas songs that we love right now, because I'm sure our favorites have also changed throughout the years. I think when we, when we do that list, we should each sing the first line. Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) I would do it, Rajiv. All right. I'll do it with you. How about Casey and Rajiv, Rajiv sing the first line of everybody's songs. Now everybody's just like saying, mm, maybe I'm going to skip this one. <laughs> <laughs> or there's other that are probably equally yeah, like, hmm, this will be fun. I'm down, Rajiv. I'll, I'll sing with you if you yeah. want me to. <laughs> so since we're setting I'm parameters for this uh, episode, how long do I have to wait to say ho, ho, ho? You just did. You, you, <laughs> you, got, you got it out of the way. All right, great, guys. I feel ready. Despite my empirical rant at the beginning, you know, this is actually free form. Anyone can speak mm-hmm. whenever. Uh, my my reign comes in post-production, so we'll... <laughs> we'll see All right, let's it. let's get into it. See, festive, already festive. We're, we're bantering, we're hanging out. Let's, let's get into it. What does Christmas mean to you this year? All right, I, I'm feeling a little dark, so I'm going to go first, and hopefully others can lighten the mood. Um, but Christmas, it, it, it's a weird, I mean, Christmas 2020, it's just like, holy crap. I mean, we've, we've basically called off the family stuff, you know, we're going to do it via zoom presence and all the other things. And, you know, and our present stuff is, is pretty, pretty pared down just to avoid commercial light commercialism. And so this whole season, like, you know, we're in Advent right now and Christmas is coming. I've really been sinking into kind of the pagan roots of everything. And I've also been watching the show American Gods, where it's a show about the old gods who were kind of, you know, that were brought to the United States by immigrants, waves of immigrants, and battling the new gods, really, of commercialism, technology, et cetera. And 
it's like I'm rooting for the old gods, man. I'm like, can we please at this Christmas time summon the energy to strike down the evil power mongers who are trying to uproot freedom and democracy, you know, inflict them with boils and plagues and, <laughs> you know, may their houses crumble. Because uh, it, it's just like, I'm so angry with them. People that have been entrusted with our public welfare. But, you know, the Christmas story is full of that same kind of thing. You know, there's some real parallels. So I, I'm sinking into all of that, but the darker side and, you know, and then Mary's Magnificat, where she's wanting to bring down the powerful. I'm like, you go, you go. Let's, <laughs> let's make this happen. So for me, yeah, it's sort of like the, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. It's the darker side. It's like the Christopher Nolan Christmas for me. Oh, wow. Minus the, the, the white privilege. <laughs> It's a suit. This it, isn't a film it, podcast. It, I won't talk it, about it, Christopher it, Nolan. It's a superhero movie, Jeff. <laughs> it's just how it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Rashid, I was like, the old gods already gave uh, COVID to the evil forces, and he survived. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> dang, we're stuck. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, it's dark. I'm, I'm, I'm dark. I hope people can lift us out of it. You know, frankly, like there's a. I've been thinking about this a lot this year is that some of the things masquerading as God, it feels like in 2020 are kind of horrific. Um, so I, I'm with you, whatever friends we can call in to, to kill the God that's kind of dominating people's lives. Cause really, you know, everyone's being told be productive or die and don't be productive or die. Like, you know, the public health, requires us to not be productive and the way our economy works and the way we structured life as a society tells us that we're going to die if we're not. And so it just feels pretty, pretty actually wonderful to start off this episode <laughs> with that kind of reading of <laughs> Christmas. So, you know, that's, that's some Christmas lights on the tree of 2020 for me. Thank you, Rajiv. I think that one of the things that uh, this year has taught me more than ever, is what does it mean to be in relationship to others, um, even if you can't always be together? And how the relationships that actually really matter to me, I have found that I've sought them out. You know, mm -hmm. like the people um, that I am most close to are the people that text me and I text them. Or at one point, uh, Bonnie and Rajiv left a little box of tea. Bonnie hand wrote a poem for me. <laughs> and so now that poem sits in my office and I'm reminded that I'm a part of a tribe, a, a team of people um, who love me and who see me. Any of our listeners, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, especially around this holiday season, you're beginning to really see who your family is, right? Then your family isn't necessarily the people that you, uh, that you were, uh, the family you were birthed into, right? Your family can be mixed with all sorts of, you know, neighbors and friends and the old cat lady down the street. And I imagine that as, you know, as the story goes and as Mary and Joseph, uh, I'm not even going to go there, actually, because I don't believe that. Shit. But the point is, is to say that it wasn't Mary and Joseph's families who were surrounding uh, baby Jesus. 
it was shepherds and animals and who knows who else, honey, was there to help Mary deliver that child. Even for a moment, they found themselves in connection, in relationship um, with this sort of family, this holy family. And so I'm curious to know about your own holy families. Who has helped you wander uh, through the bleakest of nights uh, of COVID? You know, who has rallied around you as you have offered the birth pains of existing during these times? Because those are the people you want to hold on to, quite frankly. So that's where I'm going this morning. I think I have a little more pep in my step than uh, than some of you this morning. Um, <laughs> but uh, I am just sitting in a place of, you know, ultimate gratitude for my family, you know, not just my bio family, but my COVID family, my, my, the community, the beloved community that surrounds me, you know, Jose and I just got married. So I got a husband, honey, and um, to see the outpouring of love from like literally across the country and around the world to have people just draw close in this holy moment for us um, has been really moving. So that's what I'm bringing into this Christmas is a sense of gratitude for the way family gets to look and doesn't have to look. Mm -hmm. You hear me? Mm -hmm. Um, So now that we've established our spectrum. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Yeah. Bonnie, how about you? Where's, uh, Where's Christmas for you this year? Yeah, you'd think that would be an easy question. It feels, um, I think Christmas is in the churning. It feels like the whole world is just churning on the verge of something. And I think that really is, it's it's at the core of the Christmas story is, is we're waiting for something and it is dark and hard. And there are moments of joy and gratitude throughout. And you do have to gather your people around you. Um, to be able to get through times like this. But I, I, yeah, I think Christmas for me is, is about sitting in the waiting and participating in the world that we want to see and then hoping that it's coming, that all of this, that, that what happened in this year, the labor pains of this year, will birth something in the time to come and that we can all be a part of it. I was looking at a um, kind of like a year in review in picture. In January, fires in Australia. I mean, it's just like one thing after another. May, we had George Floyd. And then through the summer, protests in the streets. Black Lives Matter. And COVID starting in March or February. And and now now we're in the worst surge we have ever been in. We're we're approaching 300,000 people d- dead since March. I mean, you know, it's it's all there's like a there's a cloud. <laughs> but it's a cloud with kinetic energy. Something new is about to happen, and I'm kind of excited to see what it is. I think, Bonnie, when we talk about, you know, like the journey, going through the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I'm I'm reading a book. I, I'm sure all of you have probably read this. I'm probably late to the game, but Zealot. Do you know? Oh yeah, that's a great book. Mm-hmm. That is a great book. And he was just for re- uh, reminding me how violent Herod was. Oh yeah. Um, and the oppression that Herod had on the people, right? I think like this also speaks to uh, the violence in our own world. There has been some crazy ash that's happened in the last year. Um, and it's been, it hasn't just been violent to people's bodies, but to our souls. I mean, honestly, the anxiety of watching the news every night because you are unsure of what emotional energy it's going to take for you to have to, you know, sit there. I mean, these are, I mean, that's violence, right? What I grab from this story is that even when when violence and hate seek to to smash out hope or smash out um, or destroy um, possibility, it still arises. Mm-hmm. Life still happens in this small manger or whatever, right? Um, you can tell how I feel about the birth narrative. But I think the 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 bigger metaphor, the bigger story is that uh, you can call a census, you can seek to do, to kill every last son, but life will still happen because yeah. love has a way of finding itself manifest, honey. Yeah, and I think we need birth narratives. I wish the I wish we had more of them in the Bible, actually. I'm I'm interested now that we're this has been brought up. So I I feel like there's some tension when it comes to birth narratives because Casey clearly there's an issue there for you when it comes to the birth either narrative. Well, now I now I want to ask Bonnie why why I mean I'm all about more birth narratives if you think it's it's cool, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Be well, I think because every great mythology can't needs them. Like you can't have, I think it's pretty impossible to have full grown, fully formed ideas just sort of plopped into the world. There has to be an evolution process. And I think that birth narratives bring attention to women and children. And I think that that's grossly missing in so many of our stories. Nobody comes from nowhere. There's a beginning which is which is emergent from whatever was before and i think we should we should pay attention to that as painful and complicated and weird as it is um or wonderful that we all come from someone you know um we're, we're sharing what christmas means to us uh this is actually when i thought ahead of time about this episode for my offering of what i'm thinking through for christmas unsurprisingly is coming from a biblical studies perspective. <laughs> um, but it's about the birth narrative actually, uh, is the, the only thing that I want to say in this episode at all. Uh, to me, what, what feels profound when, when I hear the question, like, what do you feel about Christmas and what does Christmas mean to you this year? What I think of is my family sitting at the Christmas tree, reading the story and highlighting different, different elements of the story. And every Christmas there's like different elements highlighted, I guess. And when I like searched my, my mind and my soul for what it meant this year to me, things feel very different than any other moment in my life. And I kind of approach it from like a literary perspective 
and maybe even a humanistic perspective. I wrote some stuff years ago about uh, it's it's my opinion as someone who studied Greek and looked at the different manuscripts available that there was no in in the story, like that that is a complete fabrication. The word that gets translated in is kataluma, and that is or kataluma, and that is the only other time it shows up in Luke is upper room. It either means guest room, upper room, or you know, like a public house, uh, an inn or something, and. To me, there's like bookends to the gospel of Luke. You have the baby born, maybe with family, because, you know, returning to the place of, of family ancestry, um, anticipating the birth, going there maybe a little bit early because they know that, you know, Jesus is going to be born. But there's no, there's probably so many people cr- crowded in the, in the houses because the census is happening in the family houses that there's no room in the upper room, the guest room, the most comfortable room in the house for, this baby to be born. And so he's born in the first floor where the animals are brought in during the winter to keep the house warm. And so there's this beautiful picture of no room in the upper room to this miraculous upper room experience at the end of Jesus's life, where there is this inclusion and and there is space in the upper room, not just for him, but for all his disciples, you know, one, one's a zealot, one's a tax collector, a bunch of them are fishermen, random people, um, and Jesus himself being included in the upper room. And so when I hear Casey talking about like chosen family and like, like that being the, the, the part of Christmas that means the most to him, to me, that literary device is exactly that it's inclusion. It's like, there is a place at the table for all the people who are left out, all the people who are not emperors, all the people who don't have money, all the people who are forgotten, that there is literally a table. So like the story of the gospel is not even a story of Jesus. It's the tor- story of the table itself. It's kind of funny, but you know, evangelicals will, at least in my past, in a lot of art and film, they'll say the wood that the manger that made the manger became the wood of the cross. You know, like Jesus's entire life is. There was a song. Uh, I know Casey knows it because for some reason we share a lot of the same worship songs. Like back in the day, there was a song that goes, "He lived to die, rejected and alone, like a rose." trampled on the ground right and like he lived to die instead of thinking of the wood of the the manger as the wood of the cross like this year i'm thinking of the wood of the manger of as being like the wood of the the upper room table and then that's the whole interpretation of jesus's life is that there is this table set and everyone is and that that's like the story of israel too they would feast with god and the and that and a lot of people i guess i missed that a lot growing up but there's this sense that the elders of the tribes would feast with God on the mountain. And so, yeah, I'm reading Christmas as the story of those who, to all appearances, don't have a place at the table. In fact, being the ones who are making it and being the ones who uh, who prove to everyone that there is a spot for them, too. Even enemies, right? Judas was there, too, in the upper room. But that's my literary take for this year bringing in some literary criticism into the conversation (laughs) i like it i like it i'm still curious though casey i still i know that you've been converted now that bonnie said that birth narratives are good but i'm just thinking you know bb before bonnie what was the the tinge that you had or the reason for the tinge that you had in terms of birth narratives before that because i'm i'm really i'm sure there's people that are going to resonate with whatever that objection 
might be. Well, I mean, there's a lot, right? The bag is big, honey. But I think the, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have a problem with birth narratives. I actually agree with Bonnie in terms of why we should elevate them because uh, mythology needs sort of a grounding place. And a lot of times in that, in talking around birth narratives, you are lifting up women and children. Like I get that. Like Sojourner Truth uh, once said, uh, where did your Christ come from? From God and a woman. Men had nothing to do with it, right? So, yeah, like I'm, I'm down with that. Um, but for me, it's like how much emphasis we put on it being an actual truth or an actual fact ah. that we, and it's been language to suppress uh, people's bodies, right? That Mary was a virgin. I mean, there's all these other things that, um, because we use scripture in a way that says it had to happen exactly like this. Um, it was, you know, it was actually a real thing um, that it loses all of its real power. Um, when we, when you take myth and you try to force it into fact, it loses all of its like, oomph, you know, all of the power. Um, and that's why I love sitting with all of you and having this conversation because it makes the story more true. It makes it more beautiful hearing Bonnie remind me of why birth narratives are so important. It centers Mary. It centers, as Alan was saying, the disciples even in the in later in the story to imagine what it would mean for, you know, the manger to then be the the table. That's a beautiful image. But we don't get those images if we spend all of our time focused on this being something that actually happened. And so I, I, that's what that turns me off, Jeff, is that sense of this had to have happened. Mary was definitely a virgin. I super hope she wasn't. I have a whole tangent about that too, <laughs> but go ahead, Bonnie. I was just going to say, um, and this is from my biblical studies uh, understanding, that the word translated virgin really has nothing to do with Mary's sexuality. It really has to do with the fact that she was not yet attached to a household, a male household, a patriarchal household. So when Mary, when Mary became Jesus's mother or was approached with the question of becoming Jesus's mother, she was not attached or she was not within a household. She was a virgin. So virgin, the content of the word virgin could even be reclaimed in a way that could be liberating it's just patriarchy has its way of constantly overlaying these like liberative theological constructs with their own agenda and it destroys women and children and anybody who doesn't fit a particular social norm so yeah i'm i'm with you i just think you know we've got to elevate this stuff out of the muck. <laughs> well, and and yeah, I I agree with you, Casey. Literalism is a problem, so I'm 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 not in favor of that at all. I think the the tr the the pain that has been caused by taking the the idea of Mary's virginality to into purity culture is also very toxic and harmful. But if we agree that this is a mythological story. I think the virgin narrative becomes particularly important, and, and I love it because what it then does is it, it places Mary and God as co-conspirators to undermine all patriarchal and male-dominant institutions. It removes 
male involvement entirely. And I think there's some real power there. It gives me chills because uh, you think about the Roman like structure of Roman cult, re- the cult religion was that the patriarch was like the representative of God and the emperor was the ultimate patriarch. So this kind of reversal of that during that moment, that's cool. Um, some of the, some of the muck that you have to liberate it from though, I think for a lot of us to get there, it's like, you know, uh, original sin. Did you, did any of you ever hear that theory? Like she had to be a virgin. Cause if you know, she and Joseph had Jesus, then original sin would have been passed on to Jesus and Jesus was sinless. That's what I was taught as like a, you know, Neo Calvinist and that, so I hear you, Casey. Some of that baggage needs to be jettisoned, and and it's not it's not a small thing. Like Jesus's birth was reinforcement for me that I was born deserving hell, that I was born and essentially like essentially evil, and that kind of like pr- programming is like lately. I don't know. It, it it's so incredibly abusive to me to tell people that the act of your birth itself earned you eternal conscious torment from a deity is like that's the dumbest i've ever heard in my life (laughs) you know what i mean like it's 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 horrible it uh teaches people they're essentially evil christmas the christmas narrative with mary being a virgin just reinforced that so yeah turning it into a literal thing it gets co-opted by a lot of different forces probably jeff what about you I mean, uh, Alan, that's kind of like a a perfect jumping off point for kind of where I'm at with Christmas. I feel like I come full circle. So I, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't start going to church or have any sort of like Christian upbringing until, you know, like right at junior high. So I grew up on Christmas movies. I grew up on the secular presentation of Christmas and I loved it. You know, I watched my Christmas movies. I looked forward to coming down and all the, the sentimental hallmark stuff of this is a time for people to show their humanity and goodness and kindness and all that stuff uh, was, was there for me. And I think the reason as I was going through evangelicalism and then even as a minister within it, I was always uncomfortable around Christmas because of that very thing that you, that you pinpoint Alan is that it's, it's the opposite. Like Christmas became a time to highlight how horrible you are because everything always had to go to the cross. Even, even around Easter time, it wasn't about resurrection. It was more about the cross. Like it was always about the sin and the death and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was always brought in for me, at least in my upbringing during Christmas as well. So it always felt conflicting. And I guess I never had words for it till later. And then even moving into more church mainline stuff. I guess, I guess I'm just tired of Jesus for for Christmas. (laughs) Uh, You know, like I just, if I'm, if I'm like just being honest and putting it into plain words. And now that I have two children that are at the height of that magical Christmas age. And that's why I think we, we frame the question this year, right? This year, my kids are seven. Like Christmas is magical. Christmas is everything that I liked when I was a kid. So like, and especially after 2020, I just want to see a cheesy representation of someone being super kind to someone, you know, just <laughs> being nice, you know, putting on their mask and going into a store and just, you know, tralalaling down the aisle, grabbing their, their smaller Turkey because they're just, you know, 
with their family or whatever, like all that stuff. And not even necessarily that it's connected to family, but like to me that this year, that's what, that's what I want Christmas to be. I want, I want, I want my, I want my daughters to, to, to know that kindness still exists and that it's an important trait. And I want it to be shocking to them when meanness happens. Like we watch some old Christmas movies, like, it, it, one thing my my wife and I were having a conversation just yesterday about some older Christmas movies and how mean people are. You watch the old Rudolph thing and how mean people are to each other and how for us, we didn't even think about it twice, but how striking, it, how, how striking it is for our daughters to hear someone say that. And immediately they say, that's mean. Why would they say that? And then that kind of giving me a little bit of like, oh. We, we're doing something right with them. <laughs> like they, they're able to pinpoint this and, and grab it out and know how we, we treat people. And um, I don't know. I feel like that's just what I want. That's what Christmas is going to mean to me. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted <laughs> theologically for like trying to come up with another theological reason and all that kind of stuff. Not to say that's not important and that's not going to be a drive for me in the future. But right now, I just want to be nice. I just, I just want moments. I want Hallmark moments as cheesy and as stupid. And as much as I've hated them in the past, like that's just what I want right now. And, and I feel like too, like there's too much weight connected to whatever theology we have. And my shoulders are tired <laughs> and I'm tired of carrying weight. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, I want to adopt that as like a way moving forward because I know that there needs to be some weight and there are things that are happening in this world and we have a lot of work to do just because, you know, we have a president that more represents where we are and we, we feel like we've moved a little bit forward. There's still so much work. And I don't want to become complacent, but I do want to rest. I do want to enjoy and I do want to, to have fun. And, uh, I think I'm just going to do that this year and, you know, screw it. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll 2021, I'll, I'll look at the, <laughs> the wreckage and I see where, where we are from. I there. wonder where that comes from. Cause I, I know I, I kind of hear what you're talking about that burden of proving everything theologically. It's almost like you have to have a theological justification for being loving or kind or like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but there's this like huge mental burden to have to theolo- theologize everything and find some sort of grounding for it. I don't know if that's a uh, right. I wonder if it's just a different, like we, we have a yardstick for everything, right? Whatever that is, whether, oh, whatever I got a our religion or our upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that, Casey. <laughs> but, you know, we always have to compare something. We always have to have some standard above us that, and I, I don't know. I just, I guess I just, and again, my anti-authority Gen X stereotypical part of me, I know that that's there, but at the same time, it's like, we're always looking to authority to be better than us or to be this or to be that. And, and it, I think it, it's an excuse for us to, I don't know. I don't want to get too into it because I don't have thoughts. Okay. For me, I've been thinking about this for a while. Like, is this really huge? Like everything is about orthodoxy and not, I know that's like, this is a ridiculous conversation. I think on some level that we used to have like 10 years ago, orthodoxy versus orthopraxy. Like what you're talking about is like, I just want to be a loving person and kind and compassionate and connected. And like, 
we put all this weight on, hey, you have to do all these like mental gymnastics to get to a place where your life is then going to, you know, mirror these most important things. And lately, for the last six months, I felt like Christianity, at least in my experience in, in America, has put the cart like in front of the horse. You know, it's all about this like niche theological argumentation or you go to church and that's what it's all about. And as cheesy as it sounds, like the whole like love is the answer, you know, like that kind of stuff. That's actually probably the main shit. Sorry, excuse me. It's twice I said shit in one episode, <laughs> but like that might be the main stuff. And the 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 theological grounding is is the is the you know the cart that belongs behind the horse, and and that that's almost an embarrassment, I guess, like mentally for for, for people like me. Like it's supposed to be this logical construct and something that like you understand and this like kind of enlightenment and really enlightenment is the other way around. It's this like experience, like bodily experience that you experience with other people. I don't know if what I'm getting at, if that makes sense at all, but it's this shift at least for me personally. And so when I hear you talking, Jeff, it's like, yeah, that's, I feel that. Right. Like I had a moment yesterday, I had to go to the store and get something trying to avoid it as much as possible. When I go to the store, it's like early in the morning when there's no one there. But, uh, there's this, like, I get so irritated and I, I like a little, you know, nervous when I go out and I recently moved and I'm in a larger area than I'm used to. Um, and ordinarily I thrive in that kind of environment, but because of the pandemic, I'm a little, you know, a little more nervous about that. And, uh, it was just this simple moment. Cause most people like they'll get in line behind you and they'll just like get right behind you. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Like, just stop. But it was like last night I was in line and there was this woman behind me and she was on her phone. So she came up really close to me and I was starting to get like a nervous. And I, I saw from the corner of my eye, she looked up and she's like, oh, realized she was too far away and then backed up a few steps. Not because I gave her any kind of cue or a look or anything, just because that was motivated in her. And that was like the best Christmas moment I could have had. <laughs> just a subtle little thing of like, oh, wow, I recognize that I'm kind of, you know, I'm aware of what's going on and, and I'm also aware of the person in front of me. And I think that when we have these large theological arguments, we get so lost in the argument and the theory and the biblical studies and the this person said that, that we forget to also then contextualize it with those small moments in the grocery line. And when those two things come together, I mean, I feel like that's what we're about here in this show and, and the work that we all do and want to see is that, is that how do we balance those two things and how do we, how do we see ourselves in the bigger picture, but then also see us ourselves in, in, in that moment. I, I really like that, Jeff. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think the thing that's cool about the Christmas story is, is that it, it's about birthing something new. So yeah, why not? Why not leave behind all of those logical theological constructs? Just let them die. Let them be something of the past and bring into the world something completely different, something that's like actually loving. If we answered the question, what does love look like in the world? And we actually leaned into that and lived into it and every theological conversation was around promoting that idea, we might get somewhere. Like relentlessly bring it back to that. Like unashamedly, you know, and even hold God to account in that respect. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. We keep, uh, 
the way we envision God often leaves like actual love out of the equation, you know, well, it's God's ways are higher than my ways. So it looks like this is a monstrous thing to think about God, but you know, there's some justification out there and it's like, no, like if, you know, Jesus and love is the self-revelation of God, then hold all of what we think about that to that fire rather than the other way around. I think our survival depends on it, frankly. And as you ponder all these things in your heart, right? Um, I nice. wonder what your own, your own Magnificat might be. Mm. You know, what is your love song? What is, what is it that you will declare as you try to birth love and kindness into existence in your own life? Like like spend some time in this Christmas time to to write down your own your own magnificat, your own declaration of liberation. How do you want to bring forth love and life into the world? How do you encourage that in your own beloved children or in your own uh, families, whether they be of you know your blood family or your chosen family? Um, you get the opportunity in this holiday season to begin to reimagine. And I would encourage you to do it for sure. I mean, if if anything, that's that's what 2020 for many of us has been. It has been a turning in, a reflecting, a noticing of ourselves and our patterns and behaviors. Um, and for many of us, it's been hugely transformative. Mm-hmm. And so um I think that as we as coronavirus is shifting, right, as, you know, whatever, there's rumor that we might someday have a vaccine sooner than later, blah, blah, blah. Don't miss the opportunity to spend some time, whether blogging online or writing in a notebook, or uh, I would encourage you to just write down some stuff that you've learned and how you've grown and how your your heart and life have been transformed in these times. Write, write a Magnificat, honey. Do it. Share them. Share them with me. I want to hear them. And if part of that is like the power structure is falling, Rajiv wants to hear that too. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that that's, I think that, you know, we, we, we made a little bit light of it, like how Rajiv started this conversation, but it's such an important one, right? Because we can't have all these things that we're talking about, kindness, and without an, an accurate look at the world and the reality that we live in and how those things exist and why it's difficult for some. And while it's not even a thought for others and uh, you know, it's just, it's just how we have to do that. We have to have those conversations and it's easy. You know, I know I made it sound a little bit in my little part of this conversation that, you know, I just want to ignore it, but I also wanted to highlight in the midst of that, for a time, for a day, for moments, um, because I know that just it's 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 easy for some people to just eh whatever those things aren't real. I'm just going to move along my life. My life's going to be fine. Everything's going to kind of get back to normal. This is the flow of things. Well, you know, screw you if you believe that and that's how you live your life because you're missing all the people in the wake of that that do and are affected by these real things that are happening right now. And quite frankly, what's happening now, people are dying, right? Like some stupid thing that the president says leads to real death, real devastation in families, real, like taking away that opportunity to even ignore something. And 
I think that we, we balance those all the time. And, uh, you know, I hear tough. the rhetoric a lot about, uh, the, the lefter people not being tolerant enough or whatever, that dumb little circular, like you're not tolerant of, of what I'm doing. You need to be more tolerant, like tolerant of injustice. I can almost hear someone telling Mary, like, damn, your Christmas song is horrible. <laughs> like you came to, you came to Christmas with a terrible, like offering. I could see some family pushing back against that, you know? And, uh, the truth is com- community. I'm thinking like community making, if that's what Christmas is about, like it's going to be oppositional to some degree just by the nature of what it is. Not that we're going out of our way to tear something down necessarily, but if we're going to do community in the way that love is like, really practical it has it's going to be oppositional because it will take up the same space as empire and man if if i think the one thing most of us can agree is that something has to change for us we can't have bread lines with millions of people while we have billionaires right like that's uh that's just there's something fundamentally breaking i think in in our community and so our our formation of uh a mutual communal life is going to be read by a lot of people as oppositional because it stakes out the same sort of space. That's what's coming to mind when I'm listening to everyone sharing. I, I want to say something, but Bonnie, it looked like you were going to say something and I want to hold the space. I was, I was actually going to call Rajiv out because he's been quiet. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, all, all of this stuff is, is good. And, you know, to, to bring a little more darkness into the conversation, you know, 2020, Christmas 2020, the nearly 300,000 or actually more than 300,000 families that will have lost somebody to COVID, uh, to all the families who have lost somebody to police brutality and police violence, to those people who had been previously incarcerated for simple crimes of selling or using marijuana when now it's becoming a booming industry in the country. I mean, the the list of grievances is long and, you know, Christmas is, I love Christmas. I, I I enjoy Christmas, but I think um, putting that together and, you know, the fact that the, the memes around eat the rich are becoming a normal thing is letting us know there, there's a real problem. I mean, this, this, the, the Trump, the Trumpy unrest, the eat the rich unrest. Um, we're we're nearing a tipping point, and once the tipping point happens, if we actually get there, it will change everything. Um, I'm still uncertain on whether we're gonna to make it just over that tipping point, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's inevitable, but it it has me in 2020 feeling this way. The, the world, the way the world is turning right now, the way that the um, the, the way that there are these forces, these oppositional forces that are building tension with one another, to me feels really hopeful and exciting. And I know that may not sound like a Christmas miracle, and it may not be the way you know people may not want to situate what Christmas is in that churning tension. But to me, that's where it's at. Like you can't bring down forces that have run the day for centuries without fight, without tension, without a sort of um, 
Yeah, like the Magnificat says, without sending, scattering the proud and sending the rich away empty while filling the hungry. So Mary singing that song over Jesus, who's not even born yet, is her saying, there's something coming that's going to be better than anything you've ever seen, but it's not going to be better for everybody. It's going to be better for the people who have been waiting for it. And so there are people singing it right now. And it's important to listen to them, to weep, and to get excited, and to let that be the Christmas song. And and to each of us think, like, where are we? (sighs) You know, am I one that needs to be scattered? Or am am I one of those ones who is working to elevate all of us? So I do think, I think this is the time to question that. And the pandemic has taught us light and darkness can coexist and they will always need to coexist. Like you don't have to have a hallmark moment and then shelve the other stuff. And, you know, like there's a dance that we have to do between the light and the dark. And the more we figure out how to integrate that into ourselves, into our beings, the more whole, fully human I think we become. So Christmas is about being human. That was way more hopeful than I expected to walk away from that. That's beautiful. Uh, I know. <laughs> Let's be human together, full of love and light right. and caring. We're all going to read your Magnificats, uh, yes. to you listeners, if, if a- you send them in. Thanks, right. Casey. So, so let us let us know what you think. Send those in to us. You can find information on how to contact us in the show notes, and you can add your voice to this particular conversation. And you can find that at irenacasta.com. And again, you'll find all, all the relevant links and a complete list of other ways to like and follow the show. That's at irenacast.com. So, on the other side of this portion of the music, we are going to have a small just state of the podcast address and then we're going to finish out with a uh, a playlist so uh, stay tuned with us because we got some news coming up All right. So like we mentioned at the top of the show and just on the other side of this music, uh, we are, we have, a, we have some announcements, I guess. I don't know if that's the, the best way to put it, but, um, the world has changed. Obviously we are in unprecedented and that's, that's cliche at this point. Uh, but we are in a, a, a unique experience in our world today. And we also, all of us individually have had a lot of, uh, change and, and transition in our life over the past few months in the midst of this, you know, global change that we're seeing and like um, moves and career changes and all kinds of stuff for mm-hmm. our team. Right. Exactly. And we are not, uh, we are a team, the five of us, but we're not like a team in the sense that you hear on other podcasts where like, we're all making these salaries, you know, we're not NPR <laughs> here where we have a, a sound engineer not, not and stuff yet. like that. We are all, <laughs> we're all working our, our, our regular jobs, churches, all that kind of stuff. And then in the in-between time, putting this work together, which we are all very passionate about and committed to. And we want the, the work that we put out to be meaningful because the easiest thing for us in the world would be just to come together, turn on the mic and just talk and see where it takes us. And that's obviously the feeling that we put forth because we do want the, our, our 
things to be conversations, our content to be conversations, but we do put a lot of thought and effort into the topics we come up with and the work that we do in connection to these topics. And because of that, and because of the landscape of the world around us, we want to regroup and really look at what we're doing and where we sit in this space, uh, particularly within the progressive Christian space. And that's going to take some time, time that we all wish we could just take <laughs> and that, you know, uh, we had this anonymous donor that was coming in and <laughs> giving us everything so that we could just concentrate on this work, but that's just not our reality. Um, so we, uh, this will be the final episode for a while, not the final, final, maybe I shouldn't even use the word final, but this will be, uh, it is obviously our last episode of 2020, but we're going to be taking for the first part of 2021, a short break for a few months to really shift, not shift focus, but concentrate our focus to be more purposeful and uh, intentional with the, the stuff that we're going to be putting out. You know, I think that anytime you're putting this much work and energy into something, it's good for you to take a step back and to reevaluate where you are um, for the next part of the journey, right? So um, we're just doing what I would hope any any person would do when they have had such a crazy year. They would take a deep breath, notice what they've been through, and then take some time to regroup. It's important. We, we didn't have some breakfast together. Um, COVID stole in-person breakfast for the uh, Ibernicast crew. That's the that's one of the tragedies to add to 2020. So I'm definitely looking forward to some of those. Right. I mean, you say that, Alan, but a lot of the fuel of what we do here has been our, we you know, we get together quarterly because we're all in different areas. And we haven't met in person altogether since last year, last January was or the January of this year. And I think that maybe that's an unsaid thing that's kind of given us that need to kind of regroup because uh, as you can, hopefully you can tell from the the conversations, our, 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 our knowledge and expertise and experience is an important part, but the core of what we do is the relationship that the five of us share together that uh, at least for me personally, at this um, table, believe, in this, at this, at this, this table, upper room. at this manger, <laughs> Who's um, Judas? <laughs> I, for me personally, I, I meeting this group of people has uh, made it harder for me to let go of the idea of miracles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's just where we're at. Uh, we love the work. We love each other, and we want to make sure that we're moving forward. So that's not to say we're going dark, right? So we're not going to totally, you know, sh- shut off the airwaves. So please follow us on Facebook. And we're also getting ready to do some emails. So please sign up for our email list. Uh, starting in January, we're going to be sending out regular emails to update you on some of the stuff that's coming because we've already talked a little bit about what, what we're going to be doing. And it's exciting. Like the work that we're doing connected to the show, I want to instill some sort of anticipation or excitement because, uh, we have a lot going on that we really want to bring out in the right way. So stay connected to us on Facebook. That's our primary social media platform. We know not everyone's comfortable with that, but we do have other ones as well. Sign up to our email list. And in the meantime, we have other stuff going on. Uh, We've mentioned it for, but Bonnie and Rajiv have a once a month podcast called Haystacks. And if you are interested in or know someone who's been, uh, who's had an experience or a history in the seventh day Adventist church, they are, I know I personally am enjoying every month when their episode comes out. I'm learning a, another nuance of evangelicalism that I wasn't exposed to before, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So you could check that out. There's a link in the show notes. 
I know recently. Do you guys want to just speak to that real quick? Sure. We just did an episode on homosexuality and Adventism, and we use the term homosexuality because that's how it's how it's um, phrased in the SDA world. And, you know, we just go after it, talk about some of the hideous attitudes and where the, the anti stances come from and take them to task. You know, hearing Jeff talk about listening, like, I feel like I want to get a well-rounded understanding of evangelicalism. And even if I'm not Seventh-day Adventist, maybe it's important to hear some of those experiences from other, you know, weird cousins in the family. Not that the <laughs> right. Seventh-day Adventists are the weird cousins. I'm oh, the weird uh, cousin. I know that. I fully... We're all the weird cousins. <laughs> I mean, we're all the weird cousins. Yeah. Pentecostal is well, the weird well cousin. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, going to take true. that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just get contextualized, you know. It can, it can help. I was just going to say, yeah, the, the Haystacks uh, podcast has been really fun to, it's been fun to go back psychically <laughs> into the, the, the world from which we were born and, um, and spend some time really thinking about, you know, uh, how did, how did our formation impact us and what have we learned coming out of it? So, and, and people have reached out to us, which we've been so, delighted to hear from folks who are Seventh-day Adventists, but they're fringe or or they're former, and they haven't really had a chance to process their leaving experience. So, yeah, and I know we are, we're just, you know, there's five of us, and we're just two of the five, and I know there's a lot, like, you all have stuff going on, too. Right. Right. And speaking of which, I know that uh, Casey is – and and just to be clear, no, no, we're not going solo here. Like this isn't right. like the band breaking up. This is – we will be back as I ran a cast. This is an, a, an extension of what we're already doing and, and both of these podcasts that we're talking about that are once a month as, as – uh, you know, to, to really reach some of the specific communities that are represented within all of the Irenicast listeners and hopefully to expand from there. Uh, and I know Casey and I have talked, but this is really just birthed out of, of what Casey is doing in his work and just who he is, but getting ready to, to start a podcast his himself once a month. Casey, tell us a little bit about that. Give us a preview. Tease us a little bit. Casey. <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, um, the podcast will be called The Queerly Faithful Podcast. And my invitation for uh, – I hear from uh, many of our listeners and others uh, that they just want a space to talk about what does it mean to be both queer and uh, faithful. And so my hope is to sort of take on some of those questions. I have a website, The Queerly Faithful Pastor. So I just sort of named the podcast, The Queerly Faithful Podcast. And my hope is to once a month gather with queerly faithful colleagues and to tackle some of those questions around all sorts of things, sex, monogamy, the Bible, you know, all of it. Um, but really, what does it mean to be queerly faithful? And so I'm super excited to do that. I know as I'm preparing and starting to think about and imagine what it could look like, it's been really life-giving for me. So if any of you have suggestions for things you'd like to hear me talk about, uh, please uh, shoot me an email or send me a message on Facebook or what, one of my socials. And uh, I I have t I have had two episodes of Divine Cinema recorded for like two years now, and we just <laughs> life changes and everything like that. And I really hope to bring that back again once a month with my fellow co-hosts Dylan and Adam, and uh, we'll definitely put out those two extra ones that that we've already recorded. And um, 
you know, and if you're not familiar with Divine Cinema, it was, it was kind of birthed out of the last break that we've took, f- took from this particular show and where we explore films with themes of faith. So some of them are like really bad Christian films and others are just, you know, solid films that have a central focus of, of some sort of faith. So I'm, we're going to get that off the ground again. And the best way to keep informed about all these changes as we bring things out um, is to join the email list. We really are going to uh, bolster that to give everyone opportunities to let them know because outside of just like the podcast, we're getting ready to do courses like we want to do more to provide for the space for those of you that, you know, you're looking to expand your religious community or education, or I don't even know the best words for that. And that's what we're trying to figure out too. How do we best communicate all this stuff in the midst of everything? So uh, stay tuned. We're not going away. The show, this show is just taking a a short hiatus so that we can better um, meet the needs of those of you that are listening and, and our future listeners as we move forward. So any last thoughts, any final, we don't want to say goodbyes, but see you laters from everyone before we finish out this final episode of 2020 with our playlist segment. Goodbye, 2020. I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're not supposed to be saying goodbye, but I'm okay to say goodbye to 2020. And it's been, mm-hmm. a, it's been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun and a lot of uh, important conversations this year. And so I, I feel really grateful to have been a part of them. Looking forward to next year. Absolutely. All right. Well, then don't forget to sign up for that email list. Go to our website. Check the the show notes. Keep in touch. That's going to be the best way to do it. And if you would like, you can always donate to the show via our PayPal link, which is also in the show notes, or irenacast.com slash PayPal. We do have uh, a way for you to donate to the show and continue the work that we have planned going forward. And um, we are a nonprofit, which we will be getting into as well as we go through and, and make some of the changes that we're going to be doing. So your donations are tax deductible. So let's finish out this episode on the other side of this portion of the music. And we are going to leave you all with some holiday cheer, some of our favorite Christmas songs this year. And we will put this playlist on Spotify like we have for all of our playlist segments. So see you on the other side of the music. Right. Let's let's start. Let's finish out this uh, supersized episode. <laughs> let's finish out this episode with a little Christmas cheer. So what we're going to do, this isn't necessarily top three. This is just three Christmas songs that we love right now. And we're going to, you know, put all this together into a playlist like we have before. I think we've done protest and anger are the other <laughs> segments. So this will be... <laughs> A nice one. There's a link in the show notes for the other playlists. They are located on Spotify. Uh, we just found that that's the easiest place to do that. So um, this will be no different. So let's let's just. I'm just going to go with my screen. So Casey, I'm starting you. You're in the you're in the top left. Go ahead. Rajiv, are we singing? Uh, oh, I'm I'm singing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All I want for Christmas oh, yeah. is oh, you, yeah. Mariah nice. Carey, right? Had to be that one, Mariah Carey. Good. All right, so all I want for Christmas, Mariah mm-hmm. Carey. That's a, that's. I mean, that's got to be Top on the, the list, list, right? I think that's the the last modern Christmas classic, right? We haven't had one since then that that has endured the way that that song has. That was late nineties, right? I think. All right, all right, Rajiv, you're you're up next. Right. What's your, so your first song? Little preface: I went with cheesy, licious. As the theme for my Christmas list. Cheesy-licious. Cheesy-licious. Cheesy All right. 
and and also wanting to make it difficult for Jeff to add these to the podcast list to the playlist. Oh, thank you, appreciate it. <clears throat> so I'm clearing my throat. <clears throat> so my first one is I'll have a blue Christmas without you. Not Elvis, right? A different. Oh, membership. the Elvis version. Oh. Absolutely, the Elvis version. All right, all right. I turn Christmas it up when that song comes on the radio. I, I didn't know that <laughs> Regine singing Elvis was what I needed this morning, but it's what I needed. <laughs> all right, Alan, your first entry into the playlist. Um, I really like uh, O Tannenbaum, which like O O Christmas Tree, but the instrumental version on Charlie the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. Oh, I can yeah. listen to the whole Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack instrumental. I think it's the Vince, I don't know how to say, Guaraldi trio. Guaraldi, yeah. Yeah, Guaraldi. Beautiful yeah, music. They're great. That, that there's, there's no singing in that song because it's instrumental, but I, I could sing for you. Oh, Tannenbaum, oh, Tannenbaum. I don't know the German words to this song. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I love that song. like it. Bonnie, number three. Um, I like Oh Holy Night. That always gives me chills every time I hear it. It can be mm-hmm. any any really good vocalist singing Oh Holy Night. Yeah. It's a good and one. I'm not going to sing There's- it. <laughs> Somebody else is, well, you know, jump in if you'd like to. You you prefaced it with good vocalists. So <laughs> I know. Out. So we're all like, I'm out. Uh, everyone right. just takes a drink of their coffee. All right. <laughs> There you go. Oh, holy night. That's a good one. Do you ever remember that? Uh, there's a song, that, the audio version of it that was going around with this really bad singer for a while. And anyone ever hear that? That sounds this, very this really Oh, awful. that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, holy night. That's a classic. I mean, you have to have a, a good vocalist to, to really to make those stars shine sure. brightly. Right. Right. Uh, my, my first one is an instrumental. So it goes, uh, Da, na, 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 home Alone or whatever. Na, <laughs> yes, Home Alone. <laughs> da, na, uh, na, and na, the reason na. I picked that is that there's this a band, a metal band, August Burns Red, that every Christmas they do a Christmas song. This year they actually did All I Want for Christmas was their one for this year. But my favorite one that they've ever done is they do this metal instrumental of the Home Alone theme. And I just – it's the first thing I listen to every Christmas – I mean, I like the movie. I'm, I'm resonate more Christmas movies than I do songs, but for some reason, this song, the way that they put their, their guitars together and everything like that, I love it. It's at the top of my Christmas list. It has been for like, like the last three years since it came out. So that's my, my entry and my first entry into this. So Casey, back, back around to you. I'm dreaming of a wild <laughs> nice. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Which version? There we go. The, the right. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Yeah. Just like I, the ones yeah. You're channeling I him. No. I, I can hear him. Yeah. I can yeah. hear him. I'm telling you. Yeah. This is going to sound so terrible on the recording, and I'm going to hate listening to it. But anyway, <laughs> that's mine, Bing Crosby. Well, yeah, this is this is going to be a good like variety. Get you know get people into the holiday season. I'm I'm enjoying it. Rajiv, back 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 to you. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> By Gayla Peavy. I love that stupid song. Absolutely love it. Oh man. 
And I would like Jeff to record his face as he's adding my songs to the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm well familiar with this one. Last year, like, my daughters were obsessed with this song. So I listened to it, like, a billion times. <laughs> so I might get some, like, uh, <laughs> flashbacks when I'm putting it on the list. But it's a good one. It's solid. It needs to be in there. Alan? Uh, for this one, I think some people call it the Christmas song. But that's not what I call it. But it's so quintessential that it has earned that moniker. And it's Nat King Cole singing, Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yeah. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And someday, I have a list of experiences that I would like to have at some point in my life. And roasting chestnuts is one of those. So, I will realize that Christmas dream. That'll... That'll be my small part of my Magnificat is roasting some chestnuts. Right. Stop smiling. We had that a way, P.O. box. <laughs> I wasn't even. Okay. We'll, we'll try to get a P.O. box and everyone you can send your nuts to. Alex okay. And, uh, that's, that's great. <laughs> that is that is great. Oh, man. That's good. All right. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Body back to you. Um, I really like the song. Oh, come. Oh, come. Emmanuel. I like the the like haunting quality to it and how it it really does feel like something is coming. Um and the Civil Wars has a really great version of that song. Ooh. So nice. Um my next one is I I'll, I'll sing it. I want to I want to be I don't want to be Yay. a party pooper, but uh I, I don't even know if anyone knows it, but every year this song gets me. So it's uh Christmas shoes. Um I'm no, just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i love the it was the Pat oswald uh comedy sketch or comedy uh segment from one of his stand-up where he talks Wait, about really christmas shoes oh that song is look rough. up Pat oswald christmas shoes it is the best thing in the world okay. you'll love it um and i'll put it in the show notes as well all right so mine is uh i don't care what the neighbors say Christmas time is near. I don't care I don't what care. your mama said. What it is. <laughs> yeah. It's this old SNL sketch that is this great, the I best. wish it was Christmas today. And I love this song. I love the original sketch, but you can't get it audio anywhere. But Cheap Trick does a, a cover of this particular song. And I I love it. It's just, it's just fun. It captures all the things that I was talking about earlier in our conversation and kind of where I'm at this year and what I want from Christmas songs. Is, so isn't the original that like is, Jimmy uh, Fallon and, or is that it's Horatio Hora- Sands, okay, Horatio, yeah. Sands. Yeah. Horatio Sands, that, Jimmy Fallon. Who's the guy, uh, Chris yeah, Kattan and Tracy Morgan Chris are the Kattan original. Really yeah. Makes it, man. I'll put the link to the video and then also the song so obviously good. will be in the playlist as well for the show notes. So, uh, I wish it was Christmas today. All right, Casey. Last round. Give us your next one. Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. Oh, that was really bad. Don't do that. It's uh, <laughs> it was um, it's Insync's Happy Holidays. Wow. Happy holidays. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There you go. I do now. <laughs> Wonderful. I had to throw. Look, I, I had like to it. throw some boy band in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Christmas. Of course you did. <laughs> All right, Rosie. Okay, I, I have two tied for number three. I love them both equally, so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna sing them and put them out there. Uh Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis oh, is yes. a great one. And the Dropkick Murphys. Ooh. The Dropkick Murphys. Uh The Seasons Upon Us. Hilarious song. It will become your favorite Christmas song. 
I like that. I, I mean, I really like Christmas and Hollis. That's one of my favorites as well. There's one that, uh, speaking of hip hop Christmas songs, there's a, one of my honorable mentions that I just love it is, is Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg. They do this song called, uh, Santa's coming to oh, the right. ghetto. And I, <laughs> it's so <laughs> as good. A, as a, a chilled nineties hip hop fan. I mean, uh, that's one of my favorites. All right. Those are good ones. Uh, I'm Alan. going instrumental again. And, uh, Waltz of the Flowers, Tchaikovsky. It's like you, when you think of the the Nutcracker play or Nutcracker movie. Um, duh, na, 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 na. Duh, anyway, I'm not gonna sing the the instrumental portion. But the reason I love that song and it's it seriously evokes Christmas for me is I played the the Mouse King or the Rat King in uh, the school play in elementary school. And that song came on right before I entered the stage and the little flowers were dancing. And then I got to come on and I was told I was the best mouse king of all time by my teacher. And I a hundred percent believed her. So, and I still do. <laughs> I like it. Can we put that as a moniker on the website? Alan, the mouse king. The mouse king yeah. <laughs> O'Brien. I, sec- I second that. <laughs> you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, and I case, little... Casey, Casey, the yardstick. <laughs> the keeper of the yardstick. <laughs> Always so measuring, honey. Waltz, waltz of flowers is super good. That's awesome. All right, Bonnie, your final entry into the playlist. Um, I love, I love the Carol. What child is this? I think it's just a beautiful song to sing to any child. Um, so I think it's a story about. Mary and her child, no men in that carol anywhere except baby Jesus, but just a man child and his mom. <laughs> so I just called yeah, Jesus that just ruined child. everything. Right. You know, that, that reminds me of the medieval <laughs> paintings that painted baby Jesus as a fully grown man, which is like, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, anyway, thanks, Jeff, for ruining that beautiful picture for me. You're, you're welcome for us. It's my Christmas present to you. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, my final entry is, I'm not going to sing this one either, but there's this uh, series of uh, compilation albums that came out in like the late nineties. I think they even bled into the early two thousands, but they're called a very special Christmas. And on the third version of this, there's uh, the, the title of the song is simply Christmas and it's by blues traveler. And I love this song. This is like, in terms of favorite, this is my favorite Christmas song. Like the, not just this year, but like this is my favorite Christmas song. Uh, and it's really, it's really wonderful. Uh, so I encourage you all to check that out and that will obviously be in the playlist. So, um, before we close out any honorable mentions, people want to mention just yeah, to, er- everything on the new young Messiah. <laughs> the new young Messiah. <laughs> no, that's nineties. That's definitely very much, but Hey, it's who we are. It's who we that's are. Right. I think it's a good list. I, I like some of these, some of these, you know, old nostalgic songs and hopefully you're discovering some new songs and in the midst of it, just having experience. So I will, we will, we will craft this playlist. We'll put it in the show notes, check it out. And it'll, it'll be a Spotify playlist just to remind everyone that's kind of where our playlists lay. And we'll also put a link to other playlists that we've done in the past. And if you want to email us. And as we, when we come back from our, our break, if you have other, um, themes or emotions that you'd like us to to do a playlist segment on let us know because i don't know about the rest of everyone but this is probably my favorite segment right now because it gives me 
something to remember everyone by. Um, all right. Well, that will, uh, that will do it for us this week. Uh, like I mentioned in our last section of the podcast, if you enjoy the show and you would like to, to continue and, and partner in the, the work that we're doing, please consider donating to our PayPal link at irenacast.com slash PayPal. You can, uh, you can also support the show just by simply making sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on and leave a rating and review if it allows it as well. Uh, so for this year, I'm Jeff. It's your boy, Alan. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. Thank you for joining the conversation. And happy holidays. <laughs>